You're listening to the Armchair Psychologists Podcast. All right, Sochal, am I the asshole for canceling my in-laws beach vacation? Thanks to some work-related perks, I was able to book two beach houses on the same block for my in-laws to join my husband, two kids, and I on vacation. They paid me back for their portion already, but I made the reservation. Sister-in-law relies heavily on her parents to take care of her children. Even as a stay-at-home mom, she has one or both of them at her house helping or uh, send her or sends her kids to their house a lot of the time. When all of them are together, I've noticed what regularly happens is the kids end up unsupervised because everyone thinks someone else is watching them. When we're around, suddenly we end up in charge of the kids without being asked or even informed. One time I was upstairs with my kids, their kids were downstairs, and they all left to go grab lunch uh, for us without telling me they were leaving. It's a big house, so I didn't hear them leave or the kids head outside to the yard while they were gone. When they returned, they saw the kids outside and tried to blame me for not watching them when I had no idea they had left. Obviously, my husband set them straight and made sure they understood that if they wanted us to watch the kids, they needed to ask us so that we know we're supposed to be in charge. I felt good about booking the vacation after this conversation. A few weeks later, we were at a small public beach together. We started bringing our stuff down to the beach and one of their kids wanted to come with us. So father-in-law said, okay, go ahead with them. Loud enough for me to hear. Not asking, but at least I'm being informed that I'm in charge of him now, and presumably they're following closely behind. After at least 10 minutes at the beach, they still haven't arrived, and I notice their other child in the water by himself. I tell him to get out of the water and come over by me. I ask if they know he's down here, and he says yes, They that they told him he could come down and swim. He wasn't told to even check in with us, so we knew he was there. I feel this is completely unsafe, as I very easily could not have seen him in the water. And we had already had a very clear conversation about supervision of the children. I was too angry to have a productive conversation, and they are ones that immediately get defensive and shut down or get combative at any hint of confrontation. So we said nothing and just finished the beach day. Once we got home, I told my husband I'm not comfortable going to the beach with them again, and I canceled the reservation on the beach house. He returned their money and told them it's because of what happened at the beach. Obviously, they were very upset and felt they deserved another chance because they had informed me about one child and the other child was supposed to check in with us and didn't. So how can I punish all of them? My husband also feels that because they paid for their portion, it wasn't necessarily fair of me to cancel it, and we could have just had mostly separate vacations and refused to go to the beach with them. Am I the asshole? Huh, no, I don't think they're the asshole because, um, well, they're they're not respecting her boundaries and they're putting their children at risk, um, which is an unsafe situation and a scary situation to be in because anything could go wrong and you would feel responsible and they may even hold you, try to hold you responsible despite the fact it wasn't your fault. So I think that that is is really the struggle here. And the other thing that I'm kind of like iffy about is I think it was okay for her to cancel the vacation because people who don't respect your boundaries like that, 
there's no way that they would have mostly separate vacations. You know mm. that they're going to find a way to just be an asshole and ruin your vacation and dump the kids off on you. There's just no way to have a mostly separate vacation with people like that. Right. They will find a way to take advantage. It's like that thing where they're like, oh, set better boundaries. That only works with people who will respect your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And also, it's hard to set boundaries with family. I mean, I mean, you you should, but but. Yeah, it's you have to be really strong about it. You know, it's easy to just ghost someone that you're not close to, but it's it's hard to to do that with with a family member. It's just like a situation where you wouldn't really be able to set boundaries because if you tried, like they could still dump the kids off on you in a sneaky way, like it looks like they have been doing. Yeah. And then what are you going to do? Just walk away and leave the kids alone anyway or call CPS or something like you, you know, you're not going to do that. So yeah. it's pointless. It's pointless to put yourself in a situation where, you know, you're going to be a doormat with people who won't respect boundaries and you can't enforce your boundaries in any realistic way that is going to work. Yeah. I, the, yeah, I don't like this like laissez faire style child rearing thing, you know, this, which is what, what this, I mean, this woman basically is her family is like, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. Until, until the kid drowns and then they'll get vigilant about it. But it's like, it's not she's like trying to get out in front of this stuff like let, let's uh try to read you know into the future a little bit and try to pre- it's like driving you know it's the it's the difference between driving aggressively and driving defensively i mean if you start looking around and start trying to predict what you know that i think that ball might roll out in front of my car well there might be a child running after that ball um you know yeah m- maybe you're you're the stick in the mud you're like oh you're you're no fun you know, you're such a drag because you're always so serious about things. Yeah. When you go to the beach and there's water and kids, you have to be hyper vigilant. You can't be laissez faire like this, the rest of her family. So I think she's pissed. And I think she kind of reacted. I think at like the correct measure, you know, like the correct level of, of anger was to cancel the. I, it doesn't seem like an overreaction to me. Um, it didn't seem like an underreaction either. I mean, it was like kind of right. just right at the right level, I think. Um, hopefully her husband has her back because it sounds like he does most of the time have her back in these situations that he's probably a little bit annoyed too at the kind of whole, again, like laissez-faire style of child uh, of parenting that seems to be going on in the other family, which is definitely some people. They just don't like to be troubled with the details and don't want to be responsible. And so they just kind of, you know, um, hope for the best. And, you know, that that's it, you know, like, I hope the, uh, my kids don't die. Like, that's just such a strange, I don't know. I was such a, d- a different type of parent. I was very, you know, uh, uh, on top of things and my wife and I were very uh, hypervigilant about making sure that, you know, my daughter wasn't, you know, choking on anything, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, getting running out in front of uh, traffic and and just being very careful and, and being very worried about her all the time. And so when I read about these things, it just seems like, all right, this is a disaster waiting to happen. And so I think that the wife is just like sick of it. Like she just came to her wits end 
She's like, I'm done. I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. And I don't blame her. I mean, I don't, it doesn't make her an asshole. It just means that when, when a tragedy happens inevitably, um, I mean, if you, if you go told you so, then that would be an asshole move. But right. you know, I, I think she'll be heartbroken because she's, she's seeing this, this uh, bad, this she's behavior. She's, she's seeing this behavior and she knows what everybody knows what the consequences are. Eventually you your luck, you run out of luck. Like you, right. you can not monitor your kids for so long, but eventually something bad is going to happen. And uh, yeah. when that does happen, I, she's going to say, I saw this coming a mile away. And uh, it's such that makes it even a bigger tragedy. I think I know it makes it horrible. And I, yeah, I ultimately think, yeah, not the asshole. And I, I do think it's not even the laissez faire type of parenting, but more like irresponsible parenting. And they want to, put it on her to take care of the kids. Like they want free babysitting. And that's why they, they don't tell the kids to like ask and stuff because they, they're kind of like being sneaky about it because they know that if they're up front, that they're not going to be able to get as much free child rearing basically. That's true. You're right. There's a sneaky element coming and they know that it'll never go the other way because she doesn't trust them at all. So she would never ask her them to watch her kids. So it's always right. one way. It's uni a unidirectional relationship of of uh, babysitting where they do they babysit their kids. But you're you know, they're like, sure. Well, I'd be happy to watch your kids, too. It's like I would never let you watch my kids in a million years. <laughs> right it's like you know that, yeah. so it's like mm -hmm. i you know i have something let's put everything in a big pile and share it together yeah but i right. don't want what you're putting in the pile it's right like, oh too bad doesn't matter we're gonna divide it all equally and it's like oh man i that that bothers me too that kind of thinking yeah it's like they yeah, have nothing to offer and yet yeah. they're 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 like let's let, let me I'll offer you in the same that you're offering me and it's like no no it's like entitled behavior and uh, the thing that really kills me about that is like they know what they're doing my sister's kind of like that and like I'm not trying to shit on her I mean I'm sure that she's changed over the years I don't really know but um we're not close anymore but when we were close she would always do some crap like that and it drove me absolutely insane mm -hmm. if she would do something like um she would be like oh i'll buy you like a soda and i'd be like okay and later we would like get dinner and she'd order something expensive and she'd be like oh well i bought you a soda so you can just pay for my food I'm like, bro, that doesn't, you paid a dollar for your soda and I'm going to have to pay like $20 for your food. And you know that she gamed that out like way in advance. Like she, I know the soda was the, that was the, that was a, a dupe, you know, like, all right. I'll, yes. Like she didn't you know. genuinely want to offer me a soda. She just knew she was going to get free food from me later. Try to, I think I would argue with her, but it was just so hard also. Cause like people like this, they always play dumb and they know exactly what they're doing. Like you confront them and they're like, why? Like, it's the same. It's like, I know you're not that stupid. You're doing this. You're pretending to be stupid. It did drive <laughs> me literally insane. <laughs> So that you yeah. can get your way. I hate people like yeah, that. It really yeah, yeah, makes yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. They're manipulative. I mean, that's just. Yes. Yeah, I think it, I think that her family's manipulative. I think they play dumb. They get defensive. Um, it's all just. Yeah, it, it is all just a, 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 a facade. Like, it's just a sham. Like, they they know yeah. what they're doing. 
Um, yes. And they and they're lazy. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, they just don't want to to do the hard work of of taking care of your kids. And they, you know, I mean, it's it's not fun to sit and play with kids for you know hours. Like my daughter would do, you know, put the same block on top of another block four hundred <laughs> times in a row. And you're ready to just like, you know, like, what floor do we live on? Because I'm going to jump out of this building right now and just, uh, you know. Uh, All right. I mean, but but that's what being a parent is like. You're sitting there and you're like, OK, I or I could just walk away and not right. play with my kid and not not be engaged in that moment. And I was like, so to get me through that, you know, those those times where it was really. I mean, for lack of a better word, kind of boring, you know, like it just, you're just kind of right. with, hit with boredom. You just remember, you're like, this is good for my kid. Like it's, yes. you know, it's good for me to play, to play with her and be also, an active parent. Yeah. Also children's minds need like a lot of repetition and repetitive behavior because they're just learning patterns and making connections. So like another thing that'll drive parents crazy is like the, our kid will want to watch the same movie over and over again. Yeah. Um, I was not really that kind of kid because, like, I had the opposite. My mom was like, they could not sit me in front of the TV. And if they wanted to, I would just go do something else. <laughs> I would just yeah. play, like, make my own game up. But my sister was like that. And so, like, they'd have um, Pocahontas. She apparently, like, really liked Pocahontas. And she would make them, like, play over and over and over again. And, um, my dad got sick of watching it. So he returned it to the library, even though it wasn't from the library, it was our own thing that we'd bought, but he accidentally returned it to the library. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I, I read the same book, silly Sally. I could still, I still have it memorized. Like I know, yeah. I know that book. Um, I, you know, because I read it 500 times and, mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I knew it was good for her brain. And so right. it's, it's exactly like you said. And and uh, I think I, I was uh, I think that's good that you were a, a kid that couldn't sit in front of the TV because you would rather go off and make up your own game, be creative. You know, your brain is working in a, a TV is passive. Um, right. It's reading and, and, and playing games is, is so much better. So much better. Yeah. I could hear the same story like 500 times because I was imagining it in my head, which I really like to do. But I couldn't like sit in front of the TV because it was it would just bore me to death. So I couldn't do it. But anyway, yeah, I think uh, the jury has concluded she's not the asshole. Nope. I feel sorry for her. I really hope her family gets it together. And I think she's doing the smart thing by not being involved at all, because, you know, if a tragedy ends up happening, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to feel bad all around if you were involved in any way whatsoever. And your family's probably going to try to blame you because they sound really immature. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So she's yeah. doing the best thing. NTA. Yeah. Absolutely. NTA. Not, not, uh, not the asshole. I got this one. Okay. Am I the asshole for telling my mother-in-law to shut the fuck up and kicking her out? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. 
I, 23 female, am currently 36 weeks pregnant. So this is a very young pregnant mom and ready to not be anymore. I live with my husband, 25 male and our pets. But recently his mother has been staying with us because her and father-in-law are going through a divorce. I don't get along with my mother-in-law. I never have, but we're very cordial and we don't spend too much time together. However, since staying with us, she has been absolutely up my ass critiquing everything I do. I plan on having a home birth. Before anyone is joining mother-in-law up my ass about it, just know I don't care and I've done plenty of research and I have a backup plan and a backup plan for that backup plan. And I will tell you to shut the fuck up as well. So don't waste your time. (laughs) With that being said, my mother-in-law has continued to tell me that I'm stupid for wanting a home birth. That's really mean. And accused me of thinking I'm better than her because she gave birth in a hospital and had an epidural with my husband, who is her only biological child. She tells me I'm going to kill my baby if I don't give birth in a hospital with no medical staff, which is not true. There will be medical staff present, like I said, backup plans. My husband defends me and tells her to leave me alone, but she screams at him and locks herself in her room. Recently, she told me if I have a home birth, she will call CPS and have my baby taken away. I freaked out and told her to shut the fuck up, and if she didn't leave, I would call the police on her for trespassing. She left after crying and called my sister-in-law, her stepdaughter, to come get her. My sister-in-law called me and told me I was heartless and cruel for kicking her out, and she was just looking out for her grandchild. My father-in-law agrees, and so far, only my husband said I did the right thing. Am I the asshole for this? Edit. To those giving helpful feedback and advice and suggestions, thank you. I'm confident in my plans, but if anything goes south... I'm five minutes from a hospital and do have multiple backup plans and medical staff helping me. To those wishing me good fortune and giving actual advice and concerns, thank you very much. To everyone else, shut the fuck up. Update. (laughs) Hello, anyone who wanted an update. I have a slightly unfortunate one. I got in a car accident uh oh, a few days ago and went into labor at 36 weeks plus four days and our baby was born soon after. I gave birth in a hospital, but besides being born a little early, my sweet baby is all good. Sad I didn't get to do my birth plan, but it is still a good experience despite the unfortunate circumstances. Mm -hmm. I admit I did have a preconceived notion about hospital births from horror stories and other women sharing their experiences. I was mostly terrified of having to get an unnecessary C-section because they do happen and being pushed into things I didn't want. That didn't happen I was able to still do what I wanted to do, just not in my home. I apologize to everyone I was unnecessarily rude to, but not all of you assholes. Anyway, I had some downtime while baby slept and thought I'd give a little update. Happy August. All right, Jack, what do you think? Um, yeah, no, no. You're, I mean, she's she's okay. She's she's well within her her boundaries to the the mother in law is just you know didn't get what she wanted and then lashed out at uh at the at the daughter-in-law and um i mean i'm just glad that the husband had her back the whole time because i i don't think a home birth is necessarily a bad thing i mean i i would definitely prefer to be in a hospital like it's, that's just my you know my own yeah, me too. personal preference is just i think it's it's probably the best best practices <laughs> um and that the bad experiences that she had were probably anecdotal um and uh, not, uh, you know, doesn't go along with the, the trends, but um, right, the research, you know, right. But when it comes to those like home births, I mean, they have they have they've got ambulances ready. You know, they'll be there in a second um, to to take you into the hospital. Um, I mean, I, I suppose it's um, it's perhaps um, 
possible that it's it's um, slightly more dangerous but i don't know the statistics and and i wouldn't be surprised if it's not the same as as just giving birth in a hospital um yeah you know i i just think like if there are complications then they'll they'll just bring you in an ambulance to the hospital and um yeah but um as far as the mother-in-law's behavior I, you know just terrible just uh awful awful behavior yes. And uh, she deserved to be kicked out. I mean, I don't know if you should tell your mother-in-law to to shut the fuck up and get the fuck out. I of wouldn't house. say she's gonna call CPS on me because I want. Yeah, to- that's true. That is. And amazing. I was thirty-six weeks pregnant. And then I, yeah, I would, I would have, I would have wanted to kick her ass really badly. But I would hope I would be mature enough not to. But I can't guarantee if someone like threatened to call CPS because I wanted to have a home birth. I cannot guarantee I wouldn't want to like physically assault them. I mean, that sounds terrible, but just yeah. imagine being 36 weeks pregnant, incredibly hormonal, and someone's like threatening to call CPS on you for do- that, it would just, that crosses it would- the line for sure because that is so this so utterly um manipulative and right because it's blackmailing. I mean, what on what grounds? She decided to have a home birth, which is totally fine and legal. And, and they have a, there's a whole industry a, a built around home births. And mm-hmm. so she's having a, a home birth and mother-in-law decides that's tantamount to child abuse. I mean, this yeah, is that's, that's crazy. I mean, it, it's just like so for her to, you know, kick her mother out of the house, I would say, um, yeah, I don't want to be around you right now. If you're going to threaten to take my baby away, I mean, that's just a mama bear instinct, though, right? I mean, it's like a threat, you know, this is a threat. So I don't I don't blame her. I mean, I guess maybe, yeah, telling her to get the fuck out is probably she got off easy. Um, yeah, because I would honestly be chasing her out of my house. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I would feel with a pot and pots and pans or something. You yes, know. I get overprotective when my like dad does some shit to my dog. So I just can't imagine having an actual baby. Like yeah. when my dad like puts my dog in like risky situations, it just makes me so mad. Like when he's visiting or whatever and he like yeah. does something I explicitly asked him not to do, it just really makes me fly off the handle. So I can't imagine having like a baby and I would want to chase her out of my house myself. Yeah. So I, I don't think she's an asshole. I think she was well within her rights. I think. No, the, I think she's meeting. Yeah, hmm? she, she, she's meeting the mother-in-law at her level. Uh, you know, yeah. if you, you want to go low, then I'll go low. You know, right. I'm, I'm pregnant. I don't need to go high when you go low because you, you're right. going to call CPS. I'm going to kick you out of my house. Like that seems totally right legit legit to me um right i just want to know was the mother-in-law driving the car that hit her like <laughs> 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 hopefully not but it's yeah. it is funny it's like can i call um yeah she's like i'll call cps okay i'll call the police on you for trespassing i think she met her match basically yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. I also think that one thing that really influences my decision on being like, it's definitely the mother-in-law who's an asshole is that the mother-in-law like accused her of, of being better than her because she doesn't want to give a hospital birth. Like the mother-in-law felt somehow threatened and like the daughter-in-law was acting like she's better than mother-in-law for not wanting to give a hospital birth. And I think in my perspective, 
the fact that she is acting that way kind of shows that maybe her wanting to call CPS and her erratic behavior around this home birth is not really out of concern for a grandchild, but because she feels like threatened or less of a woman in some way because she yeah. feels like an actual birth. Yeah, that's very strange. That was a very strange part of it. If that's true, and and I don't know how to verify because it, it could be just the 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 mother's thinking. They're not the 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 pregnant woman. Uh, she might be OP. Might be thinking, um, this is what's going on in the in the mother in law's mind. Um, but if it is like a like a a competition, then they've got so many more problems coming in the future. Like I mean, it's just like he did say mother-in-law accused her of thinking she said mother-in-law accused me of thinking i'm better than her because she gave birth in a hospital and had an epidural with my husband oh, so she verbalized it okay yes well there so, you go yeah, it's weird the good news about this is that the husband took her side all the way yeah. which i think uh, essentially spells that you're you're solid to have a child with this man and that you're gonna be okay because the most important thing during this whole process is your husband supporting you. Mm. And I think that having a husband who is unsupportive would just, I would say get out of there if he was backing his, his uh, mom, which I think happens really often. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, Especially because the mother-in-law has got this weird relationship with her son where she's in competition with the, with the daughter-in-law or, know, you know what I mean? Weird. Which is, is, is so really weird. gross and incestuous almost. It's like, I know. And just and, weird. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's something really cringy about that. Um, her, the way that the mother-in-law is, is in, interacting with her son and, and his wife and, and in a competition almost. And it's like, Okay, that's his wife, and she's carrying his child. Like, there's no competition. <laughs> your 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 mother in law is is a number two, you know, priority right now. You know, this is it's, and she maybe she just is such a narcissist that she can't, you know, handle not being the center of attention. I guess, you know, it's right. all about me. So I like this comment by Batterwitch23 that says, not the asshole, your baby, you give birth your way. When mother-in-law threatened to call CPS on you, that was a nuclear option. You absolutely did the right thing because also once the baby is born, is she going to keep threatening to call CPS on you if you don't do things her way? To yes. me, that threat is pretty much, okay, then you don't get to see the baby either. Yep. 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 I agree. Yeah. I agree. No, you don't you can't feed it that way. Well, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. That's not how we do it. And then uh, uh all right, I'm gonna call CPS. You know, it's it's uh what a what a sneaky little controlling, uh, manipulative yeah. behavior. Horrible. And I'm glad that she put the kibosh on it and she kicked her out of the house and told her to shut the fuck up. I'm glad her husband supported her. And it's really easy for sister-in-law and father-in-law to say that she was in the wrong because they're not going through it. Right. And father-in-law is divorcing her for a reason. So I think he needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> NTA like for all the way. NTA all the not way. Not the asshole. Not the yeah. asshole. All right. Nice. This is the instinct to destroy 
All right, Sochil, am I the asshole for making my nephew's birthday gift and promoting my side hustle? When mm. I, 21 male, was younger, I was the biggest Thomas the Train fan you could find. As I got older, I started getting more into real-life trains, and I eventually got into model railroading. I recently started making real-life takes on Thomas the Train characters because, one, Thomas the Train got me into modeling in a roundabout way, and two, my nephew, eight-year-old male, is really big into Thomas and is starting to get into model trains. Around six months ago, I was making a real-life take on a character named Neville. Neville is my nephew's all-time favorite character. No one makes a mass-produced Neville, so I decided to make Neville for my nephew for his birthday. Neville's pretty easy to make, and I even 3D printed his face and stuck it on the front. I have fairly high standards for models, models that, I make, that I make myself, but I set my standards way higher for the ones I made my nephew. My nephew's birthday was today, and he was so happy when he opened my gift. One of my nephew's friend's moms asked me where I got this gift from. I told her I made it, and she offered to pay me if I could make a couple of characters for her son. I accepted, and we started, and we exchanged contact info. After the party, my stepbrother, 22 male, came up to me and started accusing me of trying to one-up his gift. He bought my nephew a character named Oliver. My nephew really likes Oliver, but Neville's his all-time favorite character. I tried to tell my stepbrother that I wasn't trying to one-up him, but he wasn't listening. Then he started going off on me for promoting my side hustle. I again tried to explain that I wasn't trying to one-up him or trying to promote my side hustle. The only reason I made the gift I did for my nephew is because I was making a model like it already, and it was easy to make. Long story short, he convinced my stepmom that I had an ulterior motive, and everyone started arguing. I feel like all this could have been avoided if I waited on giving my gift. Am I the asshole for making my nephew's birthday gift? Editing to add, my stepbrother is another uncle. Uh, also adding, I don't have a side hustle. This was the first time I made a character for someone that's not me. Okay. No, I don't think he is the asshole. It doesn't sound like he was trying to promote his side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um. It just sounds like he, with very good intentions, decided to do something for his nephew. And for some reason, the other guy took it personally. That's what I think. Um, that's what you think. That's funny because we thought we would have different opinions on this. Yeah. One. <laughs> no, I think we're we're on the same on the same page actually. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know why the other guy took it personally. And also there is there is a factor that whenever we're reading these stories, it's the person who's posting it, it's their version. So we don't really know if he did something that made it seem like he was trying to promote his business or some other behavior that made it seem disingenuous at all. Or if he knew something about the other guy trying to get him like a the gift and left the, that info out for us to be more on the side like we have a very limited perspective here because we only know exactly what he's told us right and my my personal opinion is that you know he just gave the most thoughtful gift because he's the closest mm -hmm. to his stepson or, or to his nephew pardon me and right. uh, they're just so close and he's paying he's so much like on the pulse of like what the kid wants and what the kid enjoys that he knew exactly the most thoughtful gift that he could give. And, um, you know, sometimes you just hit it out of the park. Like, um, you know, it's, there's nothing that, uh, you know, sometimes you just, 
you know, some it, sometimes people just know exactly what to get another person. And uh, it's it's so thoughtful and so in sync with where they are. And I think, you know, what you have to do in the case of the other guy is just he bought him an Oliver train. OK, fine. <laughs> but Neville's his favorite. And you would have known that if you'd have talked to him about trains and been into trains as much. But maybe that you're not into trains like that's fine. It's something that they share. I, I guess I don't understand why the why the other brother, the the stepbrother was so insecure that he can't that he has to also be kind of inject himself into the train thing. And it's like so obviously the trains are their thing. Why don't you get him a yeah. guitar, teach him a couple chords on the guitar and then the guitar right. be your thing, you know, and right. then when he becomes Paul McCartney. He'll thank you at the Grammys, you know, or whatever. Right. So, you know, it's like he's already got trains is already taken, you know, like let the train right. guy have the trains and you be right. the other other something else, you know, and and you don't have to be everything all the time. And I think that's yeah. where they get into like got into trouble there a little bit. I think when kids are kids, like I think this might be like a good learning experience for one it's never like a competition and two I think it's really important that you like when kids are are young especially and even up into their teen years it's really important for them to diversify their interests like to have a lot of options to do different hobbies and explore things yeah. and so like you said I think it would be cool if like oh you know buy him a guitar or a keyboard or um yo -yo. Buy him a yo-yo <laughs> or some right. paints and a canvas right or some play-doh or a model airplane kit i mean or some sports gear like a soccer ball or a basketball i mean yes. there's so many things that you could buy um a kid and i think it's a, the best time to be able to buy gifts for someone because i kind of wish we did this as adults like i wish someone gave me like a candle making kit in an easy bake oven or something <laughs> like you yeah. know it's like yeah well he makes these trains too i mean he's 3d printed the face and everything so in my in my opinion i'm like those are the best gifts the best gifts i've ever gotten in my life are the ones that are i mean i'm trying to think of i've i've received some really cool stuff that were like hand handmade you know like th yeah. those are the those are the ones that are the most memorable the ones that endure the most the longest i think are the gifts that where people are really took their time and I, you know, whether that's like a person's side hustle or not, I'm like, bring as many cards as you want to the birthday party and hand them out. Like that's, right. I, I want to support your, you know, that we need Business. more people, more, we, we need more artisans. Like we've lost right. that, that we've lost so much of that in, in the modern culture. That Yeah. Like, especially in hyper-capitalistic societies, because in exactly. Mexico, it's still pretty common, but like South Korea and the U.S., the artisans it's just not that common anymore yeah like if somebody gave me a belt with like a bunch of really cool like uh native american um insignia you know kind of sketched yeah. around it or something on like a real piece of leather high right, like a leather belt, tool yeah um, i would be like wow that is so cool like you can't buy that anywhere 
Like I would wear right. that belt with pride because it would be like, you can't, you just can't buy this at the store. They don't sell these anywhere. And those are mm -hmm. the coolest gifts. And the ones that I think we appreciate, you know, those are the ones that you'll, you'll keep with you forever and you'll never give it away. You'll never trade it. You'd never sell it because it's, it's just so special. And so that train, like, I don't know why this other guy thought he could, you know, go to the store and buy something off the shelf that was going to trump this handmade, beautiful modeled train with a 3d printed Neville face on it. Like, dude, you're out of your league. Like just get something different. Right. Like what you said, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. Like, and it, we just have so many opportunities. And like I said, I wish we still this, did this when we were adults is give people chances to explore new hobbies on their birthdays. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And I think for me, like just off the top of my head, some of the best gifts I've ever gotten were either one, something that someone already owned that meant a lot to them and them giving it to me. Like um, my dad had a guitar that my grandfather from my mom's side had made for him. Wow. He had it made by his compadre and my dad, like he tried playing the guitar and stuff for a while, but he never really got into it. And so when I started learning to play the guitar, he gifted me that. Yeah. And I still have it and I still really, you know, love my guitar. Um, it's irreplaceable too, right? I mean, you could never yeah. find another guitar like that. You can't walk into the store and get a Yamaha that's going to be yeah. anything near as, as uh, precious as the, as the one that you, that, that is that guitar. And, yes, exactly. And yeah. so it's very important to me. And then the other thing is another really great gift I got recently is my on my birthday, um, my boyfriend took me out to like a, a neighboring like village and we spent the whole day there and did a bunch of fun stuff together. And that was basically my gift. It was like a like a day trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was really nice because it's like an experience, like a memorable experience. I wish that instead of like giving each other so much stuff, I think that it this is a really nice gift. But I think that just in general, like giving people a cool experience is valuable. Yeah. Like a memory you can have together. Right. I'm, and we don't value that, you know, I mean, stuff ends up, stuff that you buy off the shelf ends up in a pile in it ends up in a garage sale <laughs> you know what I mean? so right often, yes you know what i mean How, i need another cuisinart like i need a hole in the head you know i mean right. it's, it's <laughs> nothing there you know it's it's a but but we feel like if you don't spend x amount of dollars on something you didn't you don't care we only everything's measured in money and yeah i you know i i just i i don't know i i when I was young, I probably wouldn't, I, I thought like a, like a young child growing up in America, I was a capitalist, you know, just uh, the most expensive toy off the shelf is the best one. It means that you love me the most, if you get me the most expensive one. And yeah, but as I've gotten older, I, I come to, I, I really, you know, in my twenties and thirties and, and, and now forties, I come to, uh, I mean, it's just, it's the old, it's, it's so, it's such a, um, cliche but i would much rather have my daughter paint me a, a picture and give it to me 
than mm -hmm. for her to buy anything. There's nothing that she could buy me that I want that's going to be right. anywhere near as precious as a painting that she'd made herself, you know, mm -hmm. or a song that she wrote or, you know, anything like that, that would be, you know, those, those are the things that are, that actually mean something and, and they don't mean anything in capitalism. They're, they're, they're useless. Yeah. They're, yeah. But, it's but like to, trash. they're like trash for, for the cynics, for the cynics, right. but for, for the, for people that appreciate, you know, I, I think art artists, artistry and artisans, then they're they're priceless and mm -hmm. i don't know i to me i see i see the trend going the other way these days um mm -hmm. people your age you know in their 20s are getting into kind of artisan type things in and doing yeah. woodworking and and uh working with uh you know beadwork uh, and yeah and bead leather work. tools and right yeah right. all that kind of cool traditional stuff my sister yes. actually was a double major she used photography and also biology with a vet tract mm -hmm. and for her um bachelor's and her exhibit for her exhibit she um made a she had like this one photograph that I really, really liked and she gave me it or a copy of it or something for one of my birthdays. And that yeah. it was so special to me. Yeah. I know sometimes yeah. on here I talk about how I don't like my sister. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But you love your sister, <laughs> like, but that was really yeah, special just because you don't like your sister doesn't mean you don't love your sister. Um, yes. No, that's joking. so true. Jack, you <laughs> hit the nail on the head, even though we're like estranged now, it doesn't mean I don't love her still, right. but, but it's just like, it just feels better to me to not be subjected to some of her BS, but that was a really special and thoughtful gift. And I still have it. And, it, you know, she put it in a frame, like a really nice frame and everything. And yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful photograph. And so, yeah, I think sometimes something someone makes and they know that you like, like they, she heard my comment and I said, wow, that one's really, really beautiful. And I like that. She heard that and thought of it and gave it to me. Yes. And that's very special to me. I agree. I, I, there's just no, and, and, you know, sometimes like, like for me, in my case, I'm not, I can't make anything, you know, I'm not, if I, <laughs> if I try to do it, a DIY, uh, you know, gift, it's going to, it's, it's going to fall flat. Um, but in, in OP's case, he seems really highly skilled at like, right. you know, building these trains. And so I just don't, you know, he's so clearly not the asshole in this situation. Um, and the fact that he is getting a little bit of business on the side, like, that's exactly how your hobbies turn into jobs is because your passion is so it comes through so so clearly in the in the finished product that other people just can't help but want to you know support you and and uh and and uh and that's what's happening so the fact that his family can't see it i don't know it's just there's a little some weird competition going on there between the stepbrothers that i think is maybe unhealthy and just a little right. bit like, this guy's pretty talented and the other brother feels threatened by it. And, uh, you know, maybe mom, dad's affection is, is contingent on certain things. And, you <laughs> right. know, like, it's like, yeah, he's the golden boy because he's good at stuff and he's smart. And I don't know. I mean, it's just family dynamics are weird sometimes and yeah. sounds yeah, unhealthy in this case. And I hope it doesn't rub off on the nephew because, uh, 
I think my best advice to him is let go of the competition. Um, if you can, not the, not the guy you posted in a way also, because if you posted about it, you're bothered by it, but the guy having the other, the step, the other uncle, who's his stepbrother, just let go of the competition. I had that because like my sister was definitely the golden child and um, my dad saw her as like better than me at everything. She had better grades than me and I generally had better test scores because I, well, now that I'm older, um, I basically, I probably have ADHD. Um, I need to get diagnosed now, <laughs> but uh, I could not do homework to save my life. I just could not do it. But when it yeah. came to test time, I could ace that test all yeah. the way. And so I think, um, to me, it's just a sign that, how can I say this? Like, sometimes to grow, we need, just need to let go of that competition. I recognize my sister was kind of toted as a golden child, but it doesn't hurt me anymore. It can't because your parents are messed up in their own way. And mm. they have some kind of, they were probably brought up in an environment. I see it with my dad and my mom. They were brought up in a competitive environment where there was a golden child as well. And I don't think neither my mom nor my dad were the golden child. Um, and so I just, you know, it's fine. They first, they <laughs> have this trauma and they wanted to kind of Those re- build it huh those traumas end up getting passed down they're generational yeah i mean it really yeah. is like you 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 can't help it you you're like i'm not gonna let my kid you know experience this and then somehow you you know it comes the, out history repeats itself and you're you're just like ah oh, how did that happen right and that's exactly how i feel and like um it just ended up being like of of the traumas I've been through, I'm definitely not most of them, not over most of them. But that one is, is one where I just felt I have no need to compete with my sister. She's still doing her best golden child life. I'm really proud of her. She's um, in veterinary school and mm. I am like a freelancer who like crashes at my parents' house or like, <laughs> like I just, but I'm happy where I'm at. I would never be happy going back to school and doing like a right. vet track or some kind of high end like it would just drive me insane and that's just not who I am and yeah. so I kind of let go of the competition aspect and I accept that we're in different places in life and we have different goals and at the end of the day uh golden ch children will sometimes never admit it to their face but sometimes they have they have jealousy of you the black sheep as well and I know my sister would tell other people she was jealous because I was so like okay to try new stuff and then just quit it if I didn't like it mm. and I guess she felt the pressure of like I have to try this and I have to be the best and I was like mm. Mm, this is not for me I'm gonna go try something else and something yeah. else and I was not scared of trying so many different types of things ultimately um and that led me to have so many different interests and find a career experiences too and yeah experiences yeah. like going to Korea or yeah becoming a freelancer and like a career that I hadn't even considered until I moved to Mexico. And then I got hired happenstance. I got hired at a job as a translator and simultaneous interpreter. And then I realized that that was like the niche I wanted to work in. And so I became a freelance simultaneous interpreter. Yeah. And so it's just kind of, it gives you a lot of freedom. So I would suggest to them, you know, let go of that. Don't 
judge yourself by what your parents think or what other people think is success. If you're happy, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get to be, be a free spirit and yeah, the golden child doesn't necessarily have that luxury. And yes. uh, I, I think being a free spirit is, you know, but I'm, I'm a golden child who um, became a transition to a free spirit. Um, mm, so I've been, I've been both pressure. a golden child with a, uh, a, a black sheep veneer, I guess. I don't know. Aha. Aha. A, a, a golden child who turned into a black sheep. Yeah, exactly. You're a fallen golden child. A fallen like golden child. Yeah. That's what I am. Yeah, yeah. A disgraced golden child. Dis <laughs> no, ban banished to the <laughs> far east for forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, if these people, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they have like golden child traumas, I really suggest watching the Disney movie Encanto. I think not everyone can relate to it. But people who have that specific family dynamic will definitely be able to relate to that Disney movie. Mm. Um, and it talks about the generational traumas and some of the things, some of the challenges of like of being the black sheep, basically. And you get to see peripherally what it's like to be a golden child as well. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. My advice: let go, be happy, stop the stupid competition bullshit. Be happy about the fact that you got to give your nephew a gift that he appreciates. Right. Tell the other guy, just don't take it personally. Give your nephew like a bonding experience next time instead. I think would be cooler. Like, hey, let's go bowling together, or let's go swimming together, or like let's go on a camping trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I those are I think experiences are just as valid as as things, if not more. They're so much better. You're gonna have a memory, and instead of having something that, you know, it might be precious to you at the time, but later it's just gonna sit around in your basement. Yeah, yeah. More <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Got to get more All right. stuff. Yeah. All right. Not the NTA. asshole. NTA. All right. <laughs> um, Social, thanks a lot for uh, today, and. Um, for our listeners out there, if you want, if you have a situation that you want us to psychoanalyze because we're such amazing armchair psychologists. Yeah, we do a great <laughs> job here. <laughs> we should be called the off topic psychologists, not the armchair. I think so. Yeah. The, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The off topic. The armchair off topicers or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Easily distracted. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, well, send us send us your emails at armchairpsychologistpodcast at gmail.com. That's armchairpsychologistpodcast at gmail.com. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. The species called man does have any relationship with God. It's because he alone is able to undo God's work. I don't say it does it maliciously or on purpose. Just that as other creatures were endowed with the instinct to survive, we seem to have been endowed with the instinct to destroy. I think I could turn to live with animals. They do not lie awake, they die. They're sinless. They do not make me sick, cussing their duty to God. Not one of them, one of them, to another, or to his own kind, not one of them, respect, respect, respect.